All right. Good to see you guys. Um, Hey, the other day, my wife and I were driving and we were listening to a podcast. And on that podcast, they asked a question. They said, what's your favorite Bible story? Now, these are all people that have written books and they all have highly educated and all, you know, Christian people. And they were having a hard time thinking of their favorite Bible story. And I started going, so my wife's like, what's yours? And I'm like, Oh, come on, I'm driving. I got to concentrate on the road. And I'm starting to think, like, what's my favorite Bible story? And obviously, I was going to teach today. And so all of a sudden, one came to mind that's kind of becoming the focus of our time today. And the thing that the the story that came to mind was the story in John chapter 8. And it's the story of the adulterous woman. Do any of you guys remember the adulterous woman? I mean, this is a powerful story. I mean, it's a story where all these teachers of the law and these Pharisees bring this woman that is caught in the very act of adultery. And they throw her at the ground before Jesus. And they say, this woman's been caught in the very act of adultery. And the law of Moses says that we should stone her to death. They all have stones. They're all ready to throw these at her. What a crazy scene. The idea of stoning, the idea of a whole community. When you think about stoning, it just kind of really disheartens me because it's a whole community that gets to be part of an an execution and not one of them feel responsible, right? Everyone throws, well, it wasn't my rock. It's just a crazy reality that you still see in parts of the world. But here they say, the law of Moses says that we should kill her. Jesus, what do you say? They want to trap him. They're trying to, they're trying to somehow have something against him to say. He stoops down. He writes on the ground. They keep pestering him. Jesus, what do you say? Hey, Jesus, what do you think we should do? And he finally stands up. And he says, he who is without sin may cast the first stone. And I love the story because who drops their rocks first? Us older people, right? It's like we've sinned way more than younger people. It's like, we get it. So I love how it says, from the oldest down to the youngest, they all drop their rocks. And then it ends up just being Jesus and this woman. And I love the interaction here. Let's, let's take a look at it up here on the screen. Jesus straightens up and he asks her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Then neither do I condemn you, declares, Jesus declared. Go now. And leave your life of sin. Now to understand what he's saying here. I think we need to see the next verse. Because here, the next verse is when Jesus spoke again to the people. So here they are. I'm sure in their back of their mind. Man you remember what just happened with that lady caught in adultery. You remember how Jesus handled that. After that he speaks again to the people. And he says I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But will have the light of life. What a powerful story. What a crazy situation. This woman caught in the very act of adultery. And of course, she's the only one brought, right? It doesn't say that the dude's around. Where's the guy? I mean, it shows the history of how women are treated still going on around the world. But she's the only one there. She's the only one being condemned. She's the only one that they're crying out for her life. The community around her wants to kill her. It's the law. We have the right to do it. We probably should do it. And I love that they asked Jesus, what do you say? Remember, Jesus, though, was coming to change things up. He was coming to straighten things out. He was coming to 
get a clearer picture of what the kingdom of God is about that I think has been, was far, far removed from where it was at that point. So first he stands up for the rights of this woman. He stands there with her. But then he also goes after those that are all about this moral policing bandwagon that you still see today. And he goes after them. He says, you are condemning, you are judging. He who is out sin, you cast the first stone and they all drop their stones. And the only one who can truly condemn this woman, Jesus, the son of God, does not condemn her. What an awesome story, huh? I mean, I just can't get over how powerful this is. But then he says something I think is so beautiful. He encourages her to leave her life of sin. What was he saying? What was he encouraging her towards? How, what was his demeanor? I mean, I've heard a lot of people go to that. Well, I told you, you don't need, you shouldn't keep sinning. Look at Jesus' adulterous. Yeah, he forgave her, but then he said, you better not. I mean, what, is he, what do you think he did? Who, hey, ma'am, where are your condemners? They're not here. I don't condemn you either, but I want to tell you, if you do this again, I just might pick up a rock too. Well, what was Jesus doing there? Was he condemning her? Was he, was he warning her? Was he warning her that, man, to keep this forgiveness intact, you better not do it again? Was he warning her that if she continues to sin, he might not be as full of grace next time? I don't think so. I believe she was being invited. I believe she was being invited into life and peace and hope without the fear of being placed again before a bunch of people that want to throw rocks at her. I think he's inviting her to a new life. He is not burdening her with the law. Matter of fact, he's sitting there and opposing the law right there. He's opposing their application of the law and how they looked at the law and how they used the law. He was opposing that. He's not now heaping another law on her. But I think she is, he is setting her free from the burden of her decisions that got her there in the first place. That's why I love this verse right here. When Jesus spoke again, oh no, go back. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Can you only imagine the dark place she was at at that moment? Could it get any darker? I mean, you're drug out of this house. You're caught in the very act. You're now sitting in front of these people wanting to kill you. You're guilty. You're condemned. Can you imagine the darkness? But whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I love that because Jesus did not condemn her. She is free now to go. She is free to keep living when I'm sure there was moments where she thought her life was over. She is free to do what she wants. But he invites her into so much more, the light of life. You see, I think by encouraging her to go and sin no more, he's inviting her to a whole new life of peace, hope, and tranquility. Something I bet you she hasn't experienced much of. He's inviting her to something new, something powerful. And I believe that we will continue to struggle. We ourselves will continue to struggle with inner peace and true tranquility 
If we don't see following the ways of Jesus as an invitation to truly experience peace and tranquility. If we don't see it that way, we're not going to enter. We're not going to experience, as fully, experience it as fully as we can. So today, we're going to continue the series called Easy and Light. That's what we've been talking about. And it stems from Matthew chapter 11. Here in Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Can you imagine the rest you experienced at that moment with Jesus? From the fear and the darkness and the ugliness of the situation to all of a sudden everyone's gone and Jesus says, I don't condemn you either, you can go. Can you imagine the rest? Take my yoke upon you, he says, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I believe this is what Jesus was calling this woman to in this story. Couldn't even imagine how weary and burdened she was. Couldn't even imagine how her soul was lifted and came to rest when he said, I will not condemn you go but how will that rest continue how will that rest be more than just one fleeting moment with Jesus how will it continue throughout her life if she just goes back to the same thing she was doing and finds again herself in that same place of condemnation so Jesus invites her to take his yoke to take him and follow him he's saying that his yoke is easy his burden is light and that rest will continue to be experienced if she goes now and stops doing what got her there in the first place I don't know what happened to her it doesn't say I sure hope that she followed that I sure hope in a few years she met a guy and got married started a family and life was different that she followed Jesus Walking in that freedom is not burdensome. It's life. For so many years, I saw the teachings of Jesus as scriptures of rules and regulations put upon me that I need a white knuckle and I better bear down and I better obey or else I just might potentially tick God off. And there could be eternal consequences to my bad decisions, right? Any of you ever felt the way to that? I remember living in that, you know? But as the bigger picture of the scriptures, as the whole picture, the video of all these books, all these different times with different people come out and be, um, begin to unfold, I have found that the story of the adulterous woman and her interaction with Jesus paints a much more beautiful picture than that. And I think it's the picture of the whole scriptures. It's why this story is so powerful. Story of freedom, hope, and life. Not religious burden and oppression. And I love Romans chapter 12, verse 2. In Romans 12, he says, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. And a lot of you know, what is the pattern of the world that Paul's talking about? And we go right to this like people that don't know God and live in their own way, man. He was going up against a, a very oppressive society, a very powerful society, a religious oppressive society. I think he's talking about a lot of things when he's saying, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you see things. I think the story in John 8 of the adulterous woman can transform the way we see things. And then he goes on to say this. Then 
you will be able to test and approve. I love that. Test and approve it. I hope this lady caught, tested, and approved that God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. As she walked in it and looked back years later and said, oh man, Jesus set me free. Not just freedom from like my sins before God, but my freedom from how I live this life and what I'm experiencing in life. He set me free now here in what I'm experiencing in life. So I began to see God's word as good, pleasing, and perfect, leading me to the light of life, leading me to peace and tranquility. That is what this Easy and Light series is all about. And today, I just want to spend our little time together we have just talking about relationships. Because I could tell you, for me, nothing can make or break my life more than relationships. Nothing. I know I'm only 50 and I haven't gone through everything. But when relationships aren't firing, when my wife and I aren't firing, my kids and I aren't firing, some friends and I are at work or wherever it is, when relationships are being broken, when there's a little bit of pride going on, when we're struggling with things like that, man, that's when I lose sleep. That's when it gets me. Relationships are so important. So if we want to talk about relationships, I want to look at a passage that I can say has become a huge part of transforming my mind and seeing the reality of what Jesus was leading this lady to. And it's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. He says this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But then he says, small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So this is the teaching of Jesus. What is he saying here? Is this wide gate he's talking about the gate to hell? Is he talking about this eternal separation from God where you'll be tormented forever and ever? Is that what he's talking about? I really don't think so. When you look at the Sermon on the Mount, which is what this is in, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and you consider the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about here and now throughout this sermon. And he's talking mostly about relationships and how you handle situations. It is about relationship after relationship after relationship. That's what he's focusing on. And in the previous verse from this one, the one that comes right before it, I think he narrows down what he's talking about by these, this wide gate and this narrow gate. So in verse 12, the very previous verse, he says this, so in everything, he's summing up almost like the Sermon on the Mount. So here's the bottom line, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up all the law and the prophets. I have a feeling if those guys carrying the stones with that woman thought of this verse, they might have dropped the stones, right? Um, I just tell you, do to her what you want her to do to you. Um, mm, mm, uh, maybe not. All the law and the prophets are summed up in do to others what you have them do to you. When you do to others what you would want them to do to you, you are entering through the narrow gate that leads to life and not many people go that way. When you are doing to others what they do to you, now you're taking this wide road, right? It's a lot easier of a road, is it not? It's way easier to treat people the way that they treat you. Way easier. That's a wide road. Many enter in it and it leads to destruction. Destroyed relationships, destroyed families, destroyed situations. Jesus is teaching the reality of the kingdom of God here and now. 
So the, so the bottom line is this, how we experience the light of life has so much to do with how we live in the communities around us and with the people. How we live in the communities and with the people around us have so much to do with what we experience when it comes to the light of life. Treat others the way you want to be treated? Life. Treat others the way you are treated? Destruction. It's making a conscious decision to live with others in spite of how they live with you. And I can honestly tell you the most difficult place that I've had to do this is within my home, especially with my kids. Any of you experienced that before? I got a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old. He'll be 18 next month. I don't know when it was when they stopped thinking about me first, maybe 15 years ago. Right? And all of a sudden, I'm like, dude, what's up? Like, think of me. Think of me. Consider me. Consider me. Do what daddy wants. Do what daddy don't wants. You know, right? Well, your mom wants this. Well, I want this. Right? And I'm, I'm sitting there going, man, the idea and the reality that I had to make a change, and I had to begin to sit there and say, how am I going to treat them the way I want them to treat me, was a life changer for me. To make a conscious decision to live with others in spite of how they live with you, especially teenagers. Sorry, teenagers, you know what I mean. You're thinking the same way about us, huh? Like we need to think about you more, get it. Now this has a foundation, especially for us that are followers of Jesus, right? It has this foundation that we are loved and accepted and forgiven and at peace with God through Christ. I mean, we got this foundation of what we've received from God. But if that never gets applied outside of my own head and heart, if that just stays in here and I never apply it outside of there with the people in my life, I am never gonna fully realize it in my life. I will never fully realize it. The more I live this out as Jesus led her, like go and sin no more, the more I live this out, man, go, treat others the way you want to be treated. That is a narrow road, but it will lead to life. And I came to bring you life and that of abundance. Go and experience it. Test and approve that his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. But I continue to take that narrow, that wide road instead. I'm going to treat people the way I'm being treated. I'll show them a thing or two. Destruction peace is far off. I love Colossians chapter 3. I think Colossians 3 sums this up. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, he starts off with this foundation. If you're a follower of Christ, we know this, right? We live in a world of people that don't know this. That's what our message is. That's what we're trying to show them, that we're loved by God, dearly loved by God through Christ. But look what he says. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's what we are to clothe ourselves with. He goes on, he says, he goes on, bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things, all these virtues, put on love, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now it's the next verse that got me. So he starts off with saying, you that are chosen, dearly loved by God, you get that. Clothe yourself with these things, how you treat people, how you live with gentleness and kindness and respect. Forgive and bear. Show grace and mercy 
put up with each other and love one another. And then the next verse is what got me. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Because I want to tell you, I think what Jesus is inviting us to is this peace of Christ that will rule in our hearts as we begin to treat others the way we want to be treated. That's when the priest will rule. Why? Because we're members of one body and we're called to peace and be thankful. It's a powerful thing. It's not burdensome. It's actually light and easy. And he's trying to teach us into this new way. When I look at this passage, I could automatically get this, I should be doing this better. Any of you feel the weight of that, right? I should be doing this better. Man, I'm bad at this, right? Okay, I want you to just stop thinking about that. Here's what I want you to think about. How much do you want other people in your life to follow that? You understand what I mean? I mean, I'm real good at sitting there going, I wish my kids would follow this more. I wish my wife would follow it. Well, my wife's pretty good at that, but that's, yeah. I wish, I wish my neighbor and my friends, I wish people at work, I wish they would think of me more, show me more compassion, all right? And all of a sudden, I started realizing, it's like Jesus is given this picture of going, I get it that you love yourself. That's why you think you deserve to be treated in a certain way. I get it. That's natural. So love others the way that you want to be treated. Love others the way that you want to be loved. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Because I know you really think you should be treated good. And you know what? I think God would say it. I think you should be too. And when I started thinking about how much I really want everyone else to live this passage, it made me not see it as burdensome for me, but life-giving. Does that make sense a little? It kind of twisted, turned, turned in my head a little. And I went like, whoa. Like all the things I don't want to do, I want everyone else to do. And that really impacted, especially my relationship with my kids. Especially with them. You need to respect me. You need to honor me. I'm your dad, you know, right? And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there going, man, I'm just demanding things, and I'm not treating them the way I want to be treated. And I could tell you, my sons being 17 and 19, I got a home that is full of peace. And it's not because of them. It's because my wife and I chose to try to do our best to treat them the way that we want to be treated, and it has made a difference in our own lives as well as in their life. It really has. I could really have my, one of my one son, I have one fiery son, you know, and he'll just like, oh, and I just go, okay, how, how would I want him to treat me now? That's how I'm gonna treat him. And it changes. It's crazy. You gotta try it. <laughs> it, it it's weird. Test and approve. See, here, here's the thing. Um, the tranquil life comes through my choice to treat others the way I want to be treated. I really think that's where it comes from. It comes first and foremost from my trust of God's love, me, uh, God's love for me, his acceptance and forgiveness, just like the lady there, the adulterous woman, just that no condemnation, I stand free before God. Yeah, that's the foundation of it. But to really experience a tranquil life, it comes by how I live my life. And when I think of others above myself and I want to treat others the way I want to be treated, it makes a difference. And that's when you begin to experience that. That's the narrow road Jesus is inviting us to consider. That's the small gate of following Jesus' way of peace by how we see others, treat others, walk with others that can have such a profound impact in what it does inside you. And that's, that's why I want to, you know, we don't do this to manipulate to get people to do my thing. It's what it does to me when I can live that way is powerful. 
But then it just spreads out to those around me. He's moving us away. He's moving us away from seeing it as laws, rules, and regulations. And he narrows it down to one teaching, right? He takes all the laws and the prophets, narrow down to one thing. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Man, you do that, boy, you're going to experience life. You'll experience life. You know what the weird thing is? It's just a personal observation. Have you ever known anyone that has nothing to do with God? They don't care about God. They don't go to church in any way, shape, or form, but they live into this and you see them having real peaceful lives. I've known so many people like that. I've known people that have like, man, their relationship with their kids and their wife and their friends and their family and their work and everything, and they have nothing to do, but they're, but do you know what the cool thing is? They're testing and approving God's word without even knowing it because they're treating others the way that they want to be treated. I've had some friends that are just live that so deeply and they have nothing to do with God. They probably don't even know it's in the Bible and they're living this peace and they're experiencing peace. At the same time, I know a lot of people that, boy, they got this thing with God going on, you know, and I know God loves me and I worship God and God and I are super close. But the way they live with other people, they have no peace in their life and no one around them has peace either. And they're not experiencing this tranquil life. They're not experiencing this peace that surpasses understanding. So I've seen both of those. Can you imagine if those two things got combined, how powerful of a life that would be, right? That I have this understanding of God's love for me and I rest in that, but then I see following him that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Follow me and experience life and I walk in that. How powerful that would be. There'd be a deep spiritual understanding of my relationship with God that has been you know, established through Christ's work on the cross and I'm good with him. And then there'd be an experiencing of that peace here and now as I begin to walk with Jesus. And I take on that invitation to experience that true peace that he's teaching by loving others and forgiving and accepting as God has done through Christ to me. Could that be the salvation that God came to bring? Not just after life stuff, but here and now reality? I can't even fathom afterlife, man. I just, here, this is where I'm at. Any of you feel that way? I mean, here I am today, right now, here it is. And what I do matters. To experience the kingdom in my life and through my life it can be a very powerful thing. I love Galatians. A couple passages here, Galatians 5.14. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so God, man, God knows, right, that we love ourselves. So he says, love others as you love yourself. That should make the idea of treating others the way you want to be treated. Okay, I, I know I want to be treated. I'll do that. Or James, I love James chapter 2, verse 8. If you really keep the royal law, the king's law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Hey, there's a lot of ways we can think we want to live. Should I do this? Should I not do this? What? Da, 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 da. Hey, you are doing right if you keep this command, the royal law, just do this. Love your neighbor as yourself. You'll be doing right and watch as you experience the life of Christ. It's not just our sins being forgiven, but it's being freed from the way of this corrupt world where peace seems so hard to attain. Free to love others as we have been loved. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened because of this corrupt world, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Trust me. Learn from me. Follow me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm gonna close by doing something that might feel a little weird and uncomfortable, but it shouldn't. If it does, oh well. But I want you to close your eyes. Now, for you that are going, there's no way I'm going to close my eyes. Steve's going to do something weird. <laughs> I'm not. I would definitely be out there with one eye closed and one open, but whatever, that's me. But if you can close your eyes, close your eyes. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else, you know, so you're good. Just, just if you can, close your eyes. I want you to just stop for a time right now. Just, just stop. Let all the craziness of our lives be put on the back burner for a moment. Just be present here and now. Whatever happened yesterday is gone. Whatever's gonna happen tomorrow, it's just speculation anyways, right? Be here, be here. For a moment, I want you to consider the woman caught in adultery. I just want you to see her there next to Jesus, the weight of the religious laws and burdens in those stones that are being ca- about to be cast that are there everyone's holding on to. Feel the weight of that moment. You know, this is the story of our lives, right? In so many ways. And that's the point. We see that bigger picture. Then I want you to hear the words of God through Jesus. Come to me. I will not condemn you. I will not judge you. You are forgiven. You are accepted. You are loved. Allow the weight of that to that young lady become the weight in your own heart of God's voice to you. Find rest in your soul. This moment, this is all we got. This is all we're guaranteed right here, right now. And allow the peace of God through Christ to capture you at this time, to fill you with gratitude, thankfulness, hope, and tranquility. Let the guilt go. Let the shame maybe you hold on to go. At least least for this moment, be at the feet of Jesus like that lady as he looks at you and says, hey, I'm not gonna condemn you, no one is. And allow that to just flow over you. Consider Jesus' words, go and leave your life of sin, right? And and that idea of Jesus saying, I wanna lead you to a life where you won't ever need to stand before a group of people with rocks ever again. Hear him say that to her. Help her feel the beauty of that statement. Not a condemnation from him or some guilt or some burden, but a freedom. Hey, go, live this way, experience that light of life. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. My teachings are not burdensome, but life-giving. Right now, I just want you to think about what's that narrow gate that you want to need to walk through, right? What's the relationship? What's the, who's the person? Where's that place where you're like, okay, I need to treat them the way I want to be treated. That's the narrow road I need to walk through now. Jesus is teaching, not going, you better do it or else, but he's saying... Experience life. Walk through it. Just the peace and tranquility in your own heart. And envision what that might bring to your community and to your relationships and people around you. Father God, thank you for this story of this adulterous woman. Thank you for the big picture of the redemptive work that you have in store for us in this story. Thank you that we could all look at things we've done or we deserve to be condemned, but that you love us and you forgive us and you've extended your grace to us. 
that we are forgiven and good with you. May that just bring rest to our souls. Thank you also for the reality of like leading this lady to a place where she doesn't have to face this again. For many of us, we've had broken relationships. For many of us, we feel burdened by relationships even right now. And maybe we can see that wide road that we have taken, that wide road that has led to some destruction. And number one, we can find our hope and forgiveness in you. But number two, may you give us a vision of as you spoke to her, that you speak to us. Take that narrow road. Test and approve my will. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. And treat that person the way that you want to be treated. Make that choice through the power of the Spirit. God, give us the ability to make that choice, to walk through that narrow road, that narrow gate to life. Life in our own hearts and minds and life to those around us. I know for many it's not easy, but may we see your call not as a burden, but as an easy and light guidance to freedom and hope and peace and tranquility. Maybe that we haven't experienced the whole bunch. But maybe we can experience that life now. That's what you came to bring. Give us the power to walk in it. And may you be glorified and honored in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.